Hey, everybody. My name is Jeremy England. I'm one of the music teachers at OHVA, and I am joined today by my co-host and my co-teacher, uh, Ms. Daphne Check. How are you today, Daphne? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing, Mr. England? I am well, thank you. We got asked to do this interview uh, about this impact, uh, and it's something we're trying to do for the seven mindsets. And we're asked to show off our interests and partly because we do this thing called a, a podcast. And so we're going to go through some questions, you and I, and just talk about why we love what we do. Cool? I love it. I love it. Okay. So we're going to be focused on music, I think, not podcasting. <laughs> so, <laughs> Right. Number one, how old were you when you first became interested in your passion, music? So for me, I was about 10 years old, and um, that's when you could join band where I grew up. Uh, and then, um, I just thought it would kind of be a hobby, but then after that, after I was in it for a little bit, um, I really started to fall in love with music and, uh, then met my middle school and high school band directors and just working with them and playing music made me realize that this is what I loved. And, um, so that's kind of the trajectory my, my, my life went. What about you? How old were you? Oh man. Some of my first memories were, were of music. I remember sitting at the piano with a little overlay and teaching myself how to play some piano, going to pit orchestra rehearsals with my mom, choir practice with my parents. So I've always loved music and been passionate about it. And it was my junior year of high school that I decided like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life is like be in the musical field. So that's, that's really cool. So it sounds like we're kind of similar yeah. in that way. Oh, yeah. So, so what about music really intrigued you? Like, what was it that pulled you in? Uh, there's a couple of reasons. One, it just, it's a way to express ourselves that is not used with words. If you're doing instrumental music, I think that's very powerful. Uh, I also think that it just is something that I was at first, I did it because I was good at it, <laughs> but <laughs> right. uh, second, you know, I just knew the power that music had over people, and I wanted to be a part of that. I could participate in stuff that was already presented for me, so composers' music, but I could also be very creative in music. So I had both the the set in stone creativity that other people got to be creative, and then I got to be creative in my own way. So that was intriguing to me. What about you? What? How did it excite you? Well, I think basically, again, all the things you said, um, you know, when I first started as a little kid, I just wanted to be a girl drummer. And that was like, that was the big thing I wanted to, to be, you know, the girl on the drums, because at that time, you know, there wasn't a lot of female percussionists. So part of me just wanted to be a rebel. Um, but I <laughs> yeah. to be really honest, but I, you know, as I kind of fell in love with music, I, I realized that it's such it's it's in a way it's the great equalizer because everybody feels something from music and is touched by music and I felt it was a way to communicate and it was a way to be a part of something bigger than myself and I of course didn't realize that as a young this is a at a young age it was just it took as I grew up and got older and realized it that that this is such a a powerful medium to connect to people yeah for sure that was very philosophical. I like that. I tend to get that way, as you know, Mr. England. Sometimes I get deep, and then I go the other way, but we won't talk about that That's right here. That's right. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do to feed your passion? We'll, see, we'll, we'll combine these next couple questions. How do you feed your passion? So just as, as a musician and a musical-loving person, and then how do you weave your passion into what you do for a living? 
Well, I mean, given that I'm a music teacher, it's probably pretty obvious how I'm leaving that in, <laughs> right? right? right. I, and I, you're probably in the same boat. But Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I had heard a long time ago, there's a saying that's uh, find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I probably most folks have heard that. And um, so I don't necessarily feel like I'm working a lot because I love talking about music. I love sharing music with other people. So being able to do that every day is really a joy for me. And then, you know, when I need to step away from the computer, because of course what we do, we're a little bit chained to a computer. So um, I work part-time with the Columbus Symphony in the education department. And so I get to work with musicians and create music with them. Uh, You know, I get this little outside uh, effect that I can put into the world that's not, you know, just my normal teaching job. Um, you know, and then I'm really analytical. Like I listen to a lot of music. I talk to people a lot about music and just, just share music with others. And, you know, of course that all goes with saying, you know, the drumsticks come out and I practice snare solos and marimba solos and all that stuff too. But, um, I think just the sharing part is really how I, I kind of work it into my life. Is, is that what you find to be true? Or do you have other ways you, you kind of link that into your daily life? Yeah, I really enjoy teaching music, hence, like you said, why we are music teachers, and that's how what we do for a living is primarily. Uh, I also lead music at my church every Sunday, so I get an outlet of creativity. And that's, uh, I'm passionate about music, so I'm passionate about educating people about music, which is why I teach, but I'm passionate about music, which is why I perform. And whenever I can get around people who are musicians, whether they're classically trained or not classically trained and we just get to make music together uh, that helps to feed that passion side of it because music is a creative art so we have to be creative where you find that in your snare practicing and and educating through the symphony just being around other musicians is so important because no offense to our our students but not everybody that we teach is passionate about music so to get around other people that are like-minded like that helps me to refocus on why I love it. It's not just me conveying knowledge. It's about uh, participating in a creative art, which then fuels why I want to educate people about it. That makes sense? Uh, yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. Surround yourself with how you want to be, right? That's, I mean, you can and you can say that with a lot of things in life. So just surrounding yourself with musicians is really, really helpful. Yeah, and it's helpful when, like, uh, you know, we teach music, but teaching is not always like sunshines and breakthrough moments that you see in the movies. Sometimes it's just drudgery and paperwork and administration. So in, in it's a, a grind. It is. It's, it's yeah. truly, it can be a grind some days. Yeah. And so when you can be creative, that, that helps break free from some of that mundaneness. So how do you share your passion with others? We talked a little bit about this. For me, uh, it's performing for other people and performing with other people. Uh, but what about you? How do you share your passion beyond the symphony education era? Well, like I said, I, I'm a big sit and listen to music and talk about it and 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 figure that out. I, I and you know talk to other people about their opinions. The other thing is our podcast. Absolutely. I mean, straight up, yeah. you know, the whole reason, you know, for a lot of it, a lot of the reason we do the podcast is to step away from our curriculum. And yeah, we're talking about historical stuff and different things, but we break away from that. And it gives us a chance to just have a, a conversation you know, about, about music and what's important. And I find that so, uh, it, it helps me kind of 
re- refocus even that we're just stepping away and doing the podcast because I'm talking to another educator. I'm talking to another musician and it, and it helps me, it, it helps me share that with others. So the podcast lately has been it. Is that, has that been the same way for you about with sharing your passion? Is, is the podcast been the, been your same outlet lately? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun because, uh, we get to do whatever we want. And some of that mirrors class. But again, this is not to disparage teaching, but when you're teaching, you're looking for certain things like kids mastering certain topics or participation. And you're like trying to get through a very specific goal of teaching. In the podcast, we have goals, but we just get to be us, which is a lot of fun. And so, yeah, I'm with you on that. The podcast is a a passion project or you know, something that I felt like I had to do because I just wanted to be creative and talk about music. Absolutely. I'm totally with you. So what are you going to do in the future? I mean, are you going to, are you going to keep podcasting? Are you going to do more with your church? I mean, what's, what's your next steps? Do you, do you plan on continuing everything in the future? Yeah, I, I think right now I do want to keep the, the podcast going. Uh, and then for like the creative side, I want to learn a new style of music. So right now I play guitar as like my primary fun instrument. I sang in college, uh, but I play guitar is like my, I'm still learning it and I'm only kind of intermediate at it. So I want to learn some different styles, like maybe some jazz or something. So, nice. Yeah, what about you? Yeah. Uh, pretty much the same. I, I joke that I'm never going to retire. Right. Um, so, I mean, because teachers, we, we like to be in the thick of it. So I'm sure that that will always be a consistent thing for me. Um, as well as the podcast, of course, cause this has been just such a creative outlet. I think, you know, just in, for me, um, I've always had a, a strong interest in ethnomusicology and which if you, if y'all are not aware, it's basically like non-Western music, like music outside of our country, music outside of Europe, music outside of, um, the United States. And, um, I studied a lot of it in college, but boy, when, when I, when things settled down, I'd love to go back and study, um, more types of music. I, I have a background a little bit in African music, uh, and, and, but I'd like to maybe expand that horizon. So in the future, that's something I'd like to do just for me and then maybe put it on the podcast and talk about what I learned. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> I'll bring it all home, bring it, yeah. bring you all the musics every week. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, well, let's keep going. You know, why not? Let's turn this whole thing into a podcast episode, I think. So, okay. What's up, podcast? What's up, podcast? (laughs) We're going to keep going with this because it's been so, it's been such an intriguing, like, we've talked about ourselves before, but to like go deep down into what kind of makes us tick and why we do this has been pretty fascinating. So, why not pivot, right? Pivot. Any Friends fans out there? Yeah. Maybe I'm, again, maybe I'm showing my age here. Hashtag pivot? Is it too early to get the hashtag out of the way? Not at all, because you know, this could be a full episode, but here we are. All right, but here we are. <laughs> so I want to, to ask you uh, or explore this idea of the, the last question we're talking about. How do you plan to pursue your passion? Because uh, educators, hopefully the good ones, uh, I would say the good ones for sure, are lifelong learners, right? And so sometimes when we look at musicians – and uh, especially if you're taking private lessons from somebody who's better than you as a young kid or even a young high school student, you think that like that person's got it all together. And uh, it always shocks me that there's these kids that I went to college with who are amazing, fantastic vocalists, but like they were undergrads, right? But then they go right to their master's. And uh, when they get to their master's degree, they start teaching undergraduates. And I'm like, wow, like you were good, but 
like not that good, not like it's bad, but only because I've grown with them. You know, so I've grown. I totally know what you yeah. mean because I've 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 seen that all happen. When you go to music school, this is very common how it is. Yeah, you like you graduate with them, right? Like so, you know how good you are or how bad you are, or you like you know what you struggle with. Uh, and I would feel I would have felt confident teaching like high school students, but to know that like your very first year, year at a new school, that they're teaching uh, like these brand new people where I was four or five years before that, you know, it just is pretty fascinating that it's an ever growing field. You can't ever be done learning music, right? Oh my gosh, it's so true. That, you know, I have a friend who was a graduate student when I was an undergrad, and um, he's currently a college professor uh, in Wisconsin, which maybe someday we could have him on because he's just a wonderful, wonderful person. But he is probably one of the smartest people I know, and he's also one of the most talented percussionists I've ever seen perform. That all being said, I've never seen him stop learning. He's He's always posting new articles to read, looking for more information. And the man has a, a DMH, Doctor of Musical Arts. He's so intelligent and he is still constantly learning. And I find that trait so admirable. It, you know, and he is the, if I ever had a question about any type of music, he's the person I'd email first and he is still pursuing knowledge. And that is just such a beautiful, wonderful trait. Yeah, my high school trumpet teacher uh, fascinating. He would play, like he would warm up his music higher than I could like ever play in my life. You know, he just was stupid good. I played first trumpet in marching band, and if you ever been a part of marching band, first trumpet's kind of like the screamy part. You know, like they just play high for the reasons that they can. And this guy would play uh, an octave above me. <laughs> oh, I was like, dang. So, but this guy was super good, and uh, he played with like all. He played with the the current rendition of Glenn Miller Orchestra, huge in the jazz world. And uh, I remember with the first lesson, when I looked him up before my first lesson, it shows like who he studied with and who he's still studying with. And it wasn't until I was in college that he went back to college himself and finished his degree, even though he had made it as a trumpet player. He was phenomenal, uh, stupid good, probably one of the best trumpet players I've ever heard live. And he was going back to get his bachelor's degree, you know. So I remember catching him in the practice room one time, like I was listening to a solo, transcribing it for his like dictation class, <laughs> you know. So it was, it was funny, like you know, here I am, like twenty years his junior, and I'm doing the same stuff that he's sitting in there doing, and we're like kind of in the same struggle in some of it, you know. He had some more experience, but it just was a reminder that. Music, you can be good, but you can also get knocked down a couple pegs every once in a while. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know, and thinking about that, you know, when there are people who will go to college to get a music performance degree, right? But that performance degree does not guarantee you the gig. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're not a working musician, um, just, you know, this might help understand a lot of times when you go to auditions, um, they'll do like a blind audition. What that means is they're not looking at your resume. They may not even be looking at you. The judges may have their back to you and they're just listening to you and whoever plays the best gets the gig. So it doesn't matter if they have the degree or not. You know what I mean? They're not checking that out. They're just seeing how well you go. So or how well you can play. So I, I, you know, I sometimes wonder about that degree and be like, okay, well, good, good struggle on that. 
but you got to still win the gig. And so it's, it's just this constant, I have to get better no matter what the, what doctorates I hold, what degrees I hold. And everybody starts in that same boat, just like you and that person you were talking about that everybody's got to, they got to do the grind. Yeah. I just had a friend, he just got his uh, doctorate uh, maybe two years ago and he's a professor now, kind of like, you know, you're talking about your friend who has the doctorate and it's just pretty funny to think, like I lived with that guy, you know, so like I know his quirks, I know his his uh, personalities and his shortcomings and his successes and how great he is. But it's just so weird that he's teaching, <laughs> but <laughs> but because he's talented. And the the one thing I am thankful for, and this can go in the self interview and what motivates me and intrigues me is. Uh, how level of a playing field you can be. You're talking about getting the gig in blind auditions. Like you could have a a 20 year old prodigy or a 20 year old like just super stupid good that's beating out like doctoral candidates in orchestra for first chair or something. You know, like oh oh yeah, I we've seen it happen. We right. ask any teacher; they know somebody who that's happened to. I would I would put money on it. Yeah. It's happened to me. <laughs> I mean, oh, right? Yeah, Sometimes you just don't get the gig. <laughs> yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. And so it's just music is the great equalizer. People talk about like cutthroat majors and stuff all the time in college. Like my my major is the hardest. My major. Blah blah blah. blah. Let me tell you what. Like I maybe I'm just no. biased, but no, tell them. Tell you em. will never feel crappier about yourself than your freshman year of music when you get to a college where you were the best kid in your high school. Right. And you go to pursue music and you get there and you realize that you're like a bum and you don't know anything. These are facts. (laughs) These are facts. Although I have to tell you, though, Mr. England, my story is somewhat like that. I don't know. Maybe it's just because my my teachers kind of beat this into me or I just had some kind of insight at 17. But I was in the same boat. You know, I was probably one of the better musicians in the band, especially as a senior And, um, when I was choosing colleges, I told myself I needed to go and be the small fish in a large pond. I, because I, I knew even at 17, I needed the beat down and the end of my freshman year, I, uh, rethought my decisions, but I still think in the end it was probably good because what, what good does it do to always be at the top of the game anyway? I mean, I know we're talking about these cutthroat auditions and stuff, but if you just think about it in general terms of life, if you're always comfortable, you're not moving forward. So you've got to get uncomfortable and you got to make it hard sometimes for yourself because that's how we grow, right? So I I, I'm, I totally agree that the end of my freshman year, I was rethinking my choices, but, but, but making that decision beforehand, I think in the long run was much much more beneficial to me. See, you're wise beyond your years. That's what happened. <laughs> well, I fake it. Yeah. I pretend that I'm wise. I'm really a total geek. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but no, but I, I mean, all kidding aside, yeah. Now, this could have, like I said, could have been in part of, um, you know, I had these really instrumental, wow, I just made a pun, really instrumental <laughs> people in my life at that time. And they're still a part of my life too. But um, yeah, I just I just had that foresight. I uh, when I when I was in high school, I played trumpet, and I was uh, not to toot my own horn too much, but I was pretty good. You know, like <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I know, right? 
I'm sorry. I'm here for the puns, guys, and I, folks. I'm just. I'm not gonna lie about it. Moving uh, on. And I had a lot of fun, and I was. I, I mean, I thought I was fairly decent, and I had some private lessons with uh, some some college professors when they were in town. And I remember auditioning for an honor band, and the guy was like, "Are you coming to audition at this college?" And I was like, "No, I'm going to BG because I knew I was dead set on going to Bowling Green State University because everybody, all my music teachers had gone there. It was like the best of the best in our area." And, and Bowling Green is a really great school. Shout out to Bowling yeah, Green because I looked at there too. Yep. I didn't end up going there, but Bowling Green is a fantastic place. Go Falcons. Go and, Falcons. Uh, and I I took a year off because I went to the Army. I went to basic training, and I didn't play trumpet very much. And uh, I went back and I auditioned on trumpet, and I did not make – I didn't make the waiting list. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm garbage. So oh. – it's okay. It's okay because what did I do? I was like, you know what? I'd been singing. I didn't sing in uh, high school at all. I sang like for fun, and I sang in show choir my senior year. So I did sing a little bit, and then in college, I sang in the men's chorus. And I was like, you know what? Let me try and sing, and I made it. And so I got humbled very quickly because I didn't make it on trumpet. Uh, I felt pretty good about myself because I made it on voice, and then I met my voice teachers. And I love every single one of my voice teachers I ever had, but boy, were they like, they were so brutal. <laughs> I mean, they just were, you had to have a thick skin. I mean, it really was like, you go in and if you weren't prepared, uh, you were going to be, you were going to be let known that you were, oh, yeah, oh. you were not prepared. I listen, if I, I totally can relate to that because everybody, every musician Every college student, musician at least, has walked into their private studio lesson not ready. (laughs) I am I am just as guilty about it there, you know, and, you know, with percussion professors, um, I think they're kind of those cool hipster guys. All of my percussion professors uh, mostly had been that. So when they got upset, it was it was not pretty. They were pretty chill. They were, you know, like maybe your vocal teachers, maybe where they weren't chill or whatever, but I, the percussion professors generally were, but if you could throw down, they were going to throw you down, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's the music thing, you know, cause there is, I'm trying to think how to say it. There's, there's definitely pressure to be a little bit better than you were the last time you played all the time. It's a constant growth. Yeah, I think some of it is like pretentious and musicians want to be good at what they do. But I also view it as uh, there's like a, a responsibility in a way because what you're doing when you make music and what you uh, do when you participate in music making or talk about music is you are carrying a lot of weight of human emotion on your in your words and in your performance because what you do makes people feel a certain way. And so like there's some integrity that you have to uphold, especially if you're performing old pieces. Not only do you have to have the responsibility of making people feel a certain way, but you have some integrity that you have to keep when uh, you're performing other people's works, whether they're alive or dead or even a style of music you don't like. Like if you pick up that mantle, you pick up that cross to bear, like you, you have some responsibility as a performer, you know, so that's my heaviness for the week. Wow. I was going to say, wow, you, you just got deep, which is awesome. And second of all, uh, you know, I never thought about it like that because you are, you're carrying that mantle for that composer, that the composer or the arranger, you know, somebody spent a lot of time to make that piece of music. 
and maybe had some personal sacrifices along the way to even do it. And it's a representation of them. So it is a bit of a responsibility to make sure that you're doing it in a way that is positive, that is that is making the composer feel like they did the right thing by composing this piece. I never thought about it like that because I think we get very caught up in the arrogance. You know, I, I remember when I, at a young age, I told my grandmother I was going, I wanted to be a music teacher. Now she, she had no issue with that. I, you know, she was like, okay, fine. But the one thing she said was don't get arrogant. That was her advice to me. And it wasn't because of the teacher part that she was saying that she was saying that because of the music part. So I, I can still in my head, I have this very distinct memory of my grandmother saying that to me. And so it's been a, I don't want to, it's not been a struggle, but it's always been in the back of my mind, use music into the service of others, not into the service of me. Yeah, when you do that and you respect the music, you know, especially if you're a classical musician, you really are doing right by the, the music that you're performing. Yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. So, Man, we, we're deep. That's, whew. Deep people. I, I know. Well, I, I, I'm past the outline now. We were way past the outline. So uh, right. this is probably a, a good enough time to to stop and and. We'll pick up next week. We were supposed to talk about classical music this week, but we can just put that off until uh, the week after that. And so Monday you will get this podcast, and then the Monday after that you'll get classical music, right? Yeah. Sometimes you just sometimes you just go with the flow. This did, you know, we will get to classical music. We will get to it. But sometimes, you know, these conversations are good too. It makes you think. And we want to um, take a second and thank um, – uh, the folks who have asked us to uh, talk about these passion things. I think this is really cool. And, and we want to thank, thank everybody for their time and considering us and their, in their, in their thoughts. Rock. This, and this yeah. is called improv, by the way, this is called oh, yeah. riffing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about improv next semester, nice. ladies and gentlemen. Nice. Um, but we're showing you what it looks like now. Cause this, this wasn't the plan, but like we said, sometimes, Sometimes things don't go to plan. And it's our podcast. We can do what we want, right? That's right. Yeah, we do what we want. We're the bosses. That's right. That's yeah. right. Do we want to end our normal way, Mr. England, with all of our info and stuff? Yeah, because we didn't start that way, so we got to put it in there somewhere. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll let you take this part away then. You go for it, man. All right. Cool. So if you're interested in this or you know some of our other stuff that we talk about, uh, more formal music, uh, please be sure to listen to us. And subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. I listen on Overcast personally. I think that's what Ms. Check does. But you I can, do. Yep, see. Uh, yep, Overcast is my medium of choice. So you can find us there or on iTunes or Google or Spotify. And you can subscribe to us. You can rate it, you know, which is super helpful for people to find us that are not inside our classroom, but outside in the real world, quote unquote. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. Uh, we have a show handle. It's at OHVA Music. Our website is anchor.fm slash OHVA Music. Uh, if you're in our class, all our contact info is in there. You can find me on Twitter, myself personally, at Jeremy P. England, all one word, no underscores. Jeremy P. England is my Twitter handle. And with that, I think uh, we'll bid you a good day. Stay passionate, friends. Stay passionate. Adios. Bye.